what a day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. All right, JT with you on a busy week here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. We're brought to you by Wahoo's Fish Taco. Wahoo's on Eastern. They got that second deck. That looks back at the Strip. Unbelievable place for dinner, live music, great food, California beach cuisine, Wahoo's, entertainment, gaming, great drinks. The menu's incredible. A lot of our liquor and beer partners are a part of Wahoo's Fish Taco. Head on out to the six locations here in the Valley. Tell you, dumb JT sent you, and soon they will have the JT, the Brick Burrito which Steph McKenzie will be thrilled to know. Don't I deserve a burrito? Steph named oh after me after God. all the carne asada burritos I've eaten in my life. Oh, my God, I'm dying. Like, you have hit the <laughs> highest there getting a burrito named after you. I'm jealous. Well, this is not the week where I've hit the highest, I can tell you that. as a friend, but we're having a fun time because this is why I wanted John. This is the team you despise. This is the game you have circled. This is the road trip that you've gone on more than me. Uh, even when I'm traveling with the team, you despise this Denver trip, but you keep going back because you support the Raiders. Give me a give me a mile high memory that'll excite all our audience ahead of this game. Well, do you want a good one or do you want one that got me agitated and crazy? Yeah, give me a give me give me an agitated and crazy one. I think that would set the tone for this week. Well, I, my first experience was when I brought back my finger from the Coliseum when we were the L.A. Raiders, and the gentleman behind me, by the way, I think I was maybe 19 at that time, had ripped it in half, told me to quit putting it in the air and put it back in my lap. And my mom had always told me to, you know, compose of myself Raiders, being a Raider fan, and show the world that they're not everything they always think we are or say they are. And we just sat there, and I was just fuming. But we composed, and I said, I think that's rude, and I hope it never happens to you because it will come around double-fold to you, sir. And I turned around. I think one of my most exciting has been two games. We won, I think the score, you'll know better on this, 14-13. It was a late Sunday night game, and it was snowing, and it was cold. And that was when the woman turned around. Uh, in fr- she was hitting in front of me, and she asked me if I knew the people who had the seats, and I said no. And she said, well, I don't think that it's very appropriate you're sitting in these seats. And I said, well, you know, ma'am, the game isn't behind you. It's in front of you. If you turned around and worried about the game, you've had more fun. But next time you see these people, tell them thank you because they are great seats. And I was there for the, we call it the battery game way back when, when Lincoln Kennedy jumped up in the stands. We were about two rows up, uh, 10, 10 seats down, and saw all of it go down. So I've been there for a few, JT. Yeah, you have. You've been to big games there. Steph McKenzie, 97, won the point. Diehard Raider fan, best rock DJ here in town by far. All right, so we're moving on uh, from the John Gruden resignation, all of that that went down, and I know that hit you hard because you're such a big fan of this team. How do you think Derek Carr reacts? Because I threw out the tweet a little while ago. You know, he's been through a lot here. He has had some bad teams. He's had a lot of coaching changes, and he's been a hell of a leader. And he's put up some great historical numbers in Raider history at quarterback. But now he has a different challenge, Steph McKenzie, in front of him. How does he handle that challenge the rest of the season? 
Well, I know you've seen it with him, and and not to sound so biblical or Bible thumpers or anything like that, but, you know, Derek holds on to his faith. And if anyone that's ever been to church a little bit or knows some of it, I know for sure that he is falling on his faith, and he's praying, and he's realizing, I really got to step up as a leader. And thank God the things have happened to him. He knows because they've happened to him for a reason, and he will really step up even more than he's ever done to be a leader for that team. I agree with you. I saw that tweet. He's got to be a leader, but, you know, he's still with a staff that knows him. So it's not like it's a huge, complete change. You know what I mean? Unexpected, crazy. We can go down any single rabbit hole you want, but I think you're still going to see him shine. One thing I will say that I took away from that game, besides the controversy and everything else going on, one thing that I'm seeing with him when this happens, and we haven't seen it a lot, he tends to get lost in his emotions that make him angry. And I see that. You know what I mean? What I'm talking about? Like, he gets angry and he can't bounce back from that. He's a great leader. He can pep up the team, but he takes himself down and he can't rebound from that. Yeah, I think when you look at this, it's a, just a big test because he's supposed he's in the absolute prime of his career. He's got another six, seven, eight, nine years in his prime. Primes go out really long now because Tom Brady's going to play at least 50, it right. seems. like. So I expect Carr to put up a lot of unbelievable years. But I will tell you this, it's a big spot for this team, Steph, because you're always so positive. That's why we have you on. And there's, only, there's 12 games left, and they're 3-2. Yeah. and two. So there's a lot of opportunity here. There's a lot of games on this schedule to step up and really play well and play hard and go out and do great things. So I'm really optimistic that if they can win this game in Denver and then some of the other, you know, Philadelphia, they, they just got to beat some of these quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts, they couldn't beat Justin Fields of the Bears. They have Heineke of Washington. Daniel Jones is hurt with the Giants. There are going to be several games coming up here, several where the Raiders are going to come in, they're going to have an advantage with Carr. If Carr just has one of his 350, 400-yard games, three touchdowns, I think the Raiders will be fine. Well, and you know what I always say, and I truly believe this, I think it's a team. So, yes, Carr's a leader. Yes, he's got to stay focused. He can't get so emotional and get angry and just fall apart. That's what I saw him do on Sunday. But that whole team has to work together, and I think they've done such a great job of it. Obviously, a little funkiness coming off this Sunday game, but I, I have high hopes. I think... We go into Denver, and we're going to kick some big booty. We have a lot to prove and a lot to show, and I just I think what we're going to do it this weekend. Yeah, uh, I don't Steph, have any that, reservations, none. Yeah, I, that's, that's why we're having you on here. And as we wrap this up, I, I look at everything that's happening here. I, I was expecting a lot of Bears fans there. And we've had you on the show. I know the ticket brokers bought some of those seats. I know Raider fans are going to sell tickets to pay for there. I knew that coming in. I was in Oakland for all those years commuting. I was on airplanes every week and saw fans and how fans were coming in to fly in to see Raider games in Oakland. And they were Raider fans from out of state. So I welcome fans coming in. I just don't want to see 20, 25,000 30,000 fans. So what is your message to Raider fans who are selling their season tickets and claim to be Raider fans and actively selling them to either Chicago fans or Philly fans? What would you say to them? I would say, remember, this is our stadium. We're not going to get away from more visiting fans than, than usual, right? When I say that, meaning you're going to fly to Oakland if you're a Raider fan or to L.A. when you're a Raider fan, right? We're the entertainment capital of the world. You're going to see... More opposing fans at this game. But like you said, the numbers are ridiculous. 
If you're a true Raider fan, if you have those tickets, if you need to sell, if you want to sell, whatever your priority or prerogative or choice is, try and make sure that you're selling it to somebody that's respectful, a Raider fan, and not going to be an a-hole. Sorry. Have to say it. <laughs> that is, that I have is to fine. Say it. That is fine. <laughs> I All right. We're going to do. upset about that. Yeah, the uh, well, that's it. That's why I want this, the classic of Bobby can grab the drum roll. I mean, drum roll is really big in rock radio. You just hit a button, it says drum roll. You got you have all these. You have a Neil Peart drum roll. Yeah. So when we get the drum roll for you, as long as it takes, I need the final score as the Raiders are traveling to Denver Mile High to take on the Broncos Sunday. Okay. Now there's a few things you know. It has been snowing around that area, right? It's cold. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Yes. You've been following that. I haven't. Oh, my God. There was three feet of snow in Gillette, Wyoming this morning. Okay? Uh, so, it's cold. We're going to mile high. That's always the extra factor. Blah, blah, blah. I get that. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm thinking 17-21 Raiders. All right. So, you suppose, so Raiders 21, Broncos 17. That would be a glorious final score, wouldn't it? I, I Yes, it would be amazing. <laughs> and I, I say that because I just think that these two teams – like every division play, unfortunately losing to the Chargers, which was hard, yeah. um, always goes down to the last. And as long as we can hold tight and stay strong going into the fourth, I know we've got this. Take care, my friend. I'll see you soon. Let's watch a game. Let's get you out to the M Resort Spa Casino in this new area that we're watching, the Coors Light Cool Zone and what we're doing. Come on down and watch a Sunday game with us if you can. I, I'll be there every other Sunday because I have something on Sundays as well. And don't forget – the Making Strides Against Breast Cancer Walk is coming up on Sunday, the 24th at Red Rock Casino. I just got to throw that out there real quick. Well, why don't we and come on always, and promote that? Yeah, why don't we come yes. on and promote that and help you raise some money for that, okay? That'd be great. And, of course, like I always say, go Raiders! There she is, Steph McKenzie. Listen to 97 won the point. 97 won the point. Uh, she is incredible. What she does in this town, how active she is, what she does to raise money, her community affairs show that she broadcasts. When I'm driving there for early games, I'm listening to her. It's fantastic. She is a really unique community leader in this town. Plus, she loves rock and roll. She's a great mom. She's fantastic and a great friend of the show. We needed her. This week has been really serious. It's been really aggressive. It's been really intense. And all of that. And I just don't see a vacation in front of me. I am at the end of the month. I'll tell you about that when we get closer. My dad and my mom, they have one house. Really unique story. One house their whole life. 59 years. They were fortunate to sell it because they're going to be snowbirding more in Florida and living with one of my sisters uh, up in upstate New York. So the only house that I ever lived in, the only house I ever grew up in, parents have owned it for 59 years and they're moving out November 1st. So the last week of October, I'm going back home to New York to help them move. And it's an amazing story. I've been talking to my sisters about it. And I tell them they have movers. They've hired movers that are going to move all their stuff. And a lot of it they're going to give away. They're in their 80s. A lot of furniture, they're doing it. And I said, Mom, don't touch everything. The movers are going to move it. And we're like a month out from this move coming. And my mom and dad are boxing everything and moving it into the living room and I say no no you're not they're going to move everything for you they're going to bubble wrap it they're going to put it here they're going to take it they're going to move it they're going to take it away you don't have to touch anything but those are the folks I have they are all over this process it's a big deal so I'll head there at the end of the month to go see them in Massapequa Long Island and 
it's really deep because it'll be the last time I ever go to my house. Because after that, and I go back next year, it won't be my parents' house anymore. And I'll be going to see them in Naples, Florida for the rest of their lives, which I hope is a long, long, many years from now. So that's what I'm doing. I'm also flying out to uh, Norman, Oklahoma to see my son at the University of Oklahoma as they're playing Texas Tech at the end of the month. So my wife and I are going to go into that and visit my son. My son went to the Texas game last week, and when Texas had that, uh, Oklahoma had that huge comeback, and he was so excited to storm the field after the game, the famous Cotton Bowl. And after Oklahoma won on the last play, my son and his friends all went on the field and celebrated with the Oklahoma football team, and that was really a great memory for him. 702-365-9200. Coming up, Andrew Brandt, one of the sharpest minds in all of football, the former Packer executive. I reached out to him. He got back to me this morning uh, because he's talking about what about the rest of these emails from the Washington Football Club? There was an investigation into Daniel Snyder and the practices that were happening within that team and the culture and the cheerleading scandal. So the the emails that were discovered and leaked were the John Gruden emails. Okay, we know that. It's old news. Still in the mainstream news cycle, and we're covering it. Andrew Brandt, we're going to have an honest conversation about the rest of those emails. You're telling me John Gruden's the only one in that, those emails? That's the only guy affected here? And how come Daniel Snyder, who's worth billions, billions with a B, was only fined $10 million and has to stay away from his team for a year as his wife runs the team. John Gruden's career is over, over as of now, and he deserves what's happening to him. That was Coach Gruden's transgressions. He did what he did. He will own it. But what about what's happening with the Washington Football Club? What are the issues there, and how come nobody is talking about it? Let me get to Robert in Portland before we get Andrew up. Robert, thanks for waiting. You're up next. Go ahead. JT, we depend on you. You know that. You've always been fair no matter what the situation was with the Raiders, but you learned from Al himself. As a fellow New Yorker, you know that Al used to face everything under the sun. He always had and knew how to fight it as well as stick up for the underdog. And you've done the same thing, and we depend on you to continue to do that. Even when you're talking to LaFlorio tomorrow, you have to remember that there's owners in this league that do not like the Raiders. They're always going to be there. This is a peculiar situation. Gruden deserves what happens to him. He brought it on himself, like you've said many times. But you know there's a real effort to, 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 to nail the Raiders again. They're going to use this and the pile on from the athletic and TK. And you know, you know the players are always against the Raiders. But hold on, hold on. I, I, hold on. I don't know here this because I don't have that information yet. And Mark Davis talked to Paul Gutierrez briefly today more and more of the beat writers and the journalists, and I'm not one of them. I'm I'm a talk show host with opinions. They're going to hunt down this story. That's why we're having Andrew Brandt on next, Florio tomorrow. And they got to do the job. I'm really respecting Florio, who at times has butted heads with the Raiders over the fact that he's reporting on this. And does it look like it's a witch hunt of the Raiders, or are they tracking a story of John Gruden where John Gruden got tripped up by his own emails I just think we all have the right to see the other emails, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah. But I still, you still need to fight for us because you play it down the middle like always, even when you're on the national uh, media situations, and we appreciate that, especially Monday night. 
But I just wanted to, you know, commend you that you've always been fair, even in this mm. fiasco. But the key thing is the Raiders have always been there for the underdog based on Al's beliefs, and that never will change. So everybody has to be – there are true Raider mm. fans have to remember there are haters out there everywhere. You can look them up on social media. It's, it's cascading full bore. We appreciate what you do. Just don't Thank ever you. stop. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You know, we want to be fair. In the position that I'm in running the talk show, working with the team, we are pro Raiders. I don't apologize for that. I work for the team. I'm on the team flagship. I'm not like other people in this market that want the Raiders to fail. And there's only a few of them. But it's incredible they have a voice. And they had a voice where they wanted the Raiders to fail before they got there, before they got here, and now they're picking up some crumbs covering or talking about the Raiders from time to time. Look, this is a tough time in Raider history. Mark Davis has a huge challenge in front of him. I've known Mark before he was owner of the Raiders. I think it was built for these challenges, the move, the relocation, building Allegiant Stadium, building the best facility, arguably in sports, out in Henderson. But Mark will tell you, whenever you stop Mark, all he cares about is winning. He wants to win the Super Bowl. He wants to build the team so it's a perennial winner. And it's been a struggle. And now there's another obstacle in front of the Raiders, and they're going to have to get through it. And I have confidence that the team, the staff, ownership can do this. 702-365-9200. Coming up next, Andrew Brandt, former Packer executive, great content provider with all of his NFL news. He's got a great Sunday email that comes out, which I'll ask him about with great content, which you should all sign up for. And then we're supposed to take the Rich Passaccia first press conference as head coach of the Raiders, which could be happening in the next 20 minutes or so. We'll take it live right here on the flagship. Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by Woodson Whiskey. Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. You got to drink Charles's stuff. I, I don't see a vacuum of leadership, okay? Uh, and I want to be really clear about that. Rich Bisaccia is the best leader I've ever been around, okay? Uh, the players respect and love Rich Bisaccia. So from that perspective, he and I are all in together on this, 100%, okay? We're three and two. And so any kind of conversation about what we're going to do after the season to me is premature. You're going to let this season play out. We're going to see what happens. And I'm going to back this son of a gun unequivocally. Nice job by Mike Mayock in his press conference. You can find it here at LVSportsNetwork.com or at Raiders.com. Joining us, Andrew Brandt, a former Packer executive, now the executive director of the Morad Center at Villanova. I was just talking about your Sunday email, which is great. And, Andrew, with these Washington football team emails, 650,000 reportedly, and obviously what just happened with John Gruden resigning, I'm assuming your phone's blowing up. It has, JT, and it's interesting you, you start that way because I think a lot of people out there, maybe not your listeners, but a lot of people don't really understand that this is about a Washington football club investigation and not about something directly involving John Gruden. So, again, to unpack this, there's been a long-running investigation into the workplace environment at the Washington football team, formerly known as the Redskins, about sexual harassment, about 
a toxic environment for women, about cheerleaders being asked to do unsavory things on a junket for top business people, about cheerleader pictures being out there that are topless. And all this was investigated, is investigated by a law firm, originally independently, but now taken over by the league. So out of this voluminous trove of communications, which has been reported to be 650,000 emails alone, we somehow have been focusing on nothing but emails from John Gruden. First on Friday of last week about uh, NFLPA chief DeMaury Smith, ironically or coincidentally or not coincidentally, on the day that Smith is up for re-election. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the weekend about uh, misogynistic topics, about topless pictures, and here we go. He's gone. So, I mean, the basic thing is, JT, I get that these emails are repugnant and deserve consequences. There's no debate there. The question remains, why, why him and what's left of these 650,000 that should be addressed publicly at least as much as he was. Andrew Brand is our guest, yes, because I, I do not condone these emails. I understand that if the Raiders were going to fire him or he was going to resign, that's obvious to everybody. Everybody who's screaming cancer culture, timing and all that, he's out, and it's hard for a lot of Raider fans and people that supported him and friends of his like myself over the years. But I want to get to the rest of these emails. And what are the legal rights now going forward? Who around this league can stand up and say, no, no, no. Uh, Gruden deserved to be let go, but there's more to those emails. And we got to pressure Roger now in the league to release them and make them public. How does that happen? Who are the leaders in and around the league or the journalists who are going to push this and move the needle for that to happen? Well, we know it's not going to be NFL media and maybe mm-hmm. even not ESPN, but I just think media is going to call it out and media is going to report that others are wanting more information shown. You know, I think the thing that we want out of our leadership in sports is some kind of transparency where we don't feel like things are being hidden. And I almost think that this, this, the owners or whoever is behind this didn't understand the Pandora's box they were opening. In other words, okay, maybe it was to get D. Smith elected. Maybe it was to get John Gruden fired. But that's not the end of the story. That is not the end of the story. I don't think anyone, even Joe Sixpack, is saying, uh, clapping his hands and saying, okay, let's go on to the games. I think there's a, a really, they, they really whetted the appetite of fans, media, to say, wait a minute, this doesn't address the issue. And I think it's interesting that the lawyers for all these women affected by that workplace environment in Washington put out a statement yesterday basically saying in so many words, John Gruden getting fired doesn't help us. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what's your response to the way you treated these women? Not, hey, you fired the coach of the Raiders. Like, that doesn't help. Andrew Brandt joins us. So if you're in the same role 
that you were at yeah. with the Packers all those years and you were in that role with the Raiders, knowing the timeline from Friday, then to Monday, then the breaking news on Monday night football, before we get to Bruce Allen and, you know, the past uh, and Adam Schefter and some of the news that's happening there that we don't have to get into on this conversation. If you were inside the Raiders facility, what would concern you the most about it? Clearly, the, the, the brand that was built by Al Davis and now Mark Davis as the owner, you're looking at this now saying, okay, they got our coach. He deserves it for what he said. We might have fired him anyway. But what about the pressure from the league and the timeline? What would concern you? Well, I saw this tweet today from Paul Gutierrez, which really caught my eye because I guess he or the media you know, sort of got to him today or got to Mark Davis, or he was passing by, mm-hmm. and wanted to know, like everyone wants to know, what's, what, what happened? How, how did you deal with that? And his comment was, ask the league. So, you know, that tells me, maybe Mark Davis didn't want to fire him. Maybe Mark Davis was pushed by the other owners to fire his own coach. So, yeah, I mean, in all these situations, listen, Nobody's holding it now. At the Packers, we had a lot of situations. We had players in trouble. We had drug and alcohol issues. We had players uh, with the personal conduct policy. And, yes, it's always a combined negotiation, discussion, conversation with the league. They're the, you know, they're the central office. So, yes, the Raiders were in touch with the league. The question becomes... Was it a mutual conversation? Were they told what to do about Gruden? Did Gruden defy orders during the weekend? Was he supposed to, like, sit out that game? Who knows? Maybe we'll never know. But the problem with the NFL right now is we want transparency on this issue. And they're trying to limit it to Gruden. And once it's out that there's 650,000 emails, even the slightest fan is like asking me, you know, people that don't follow football are like, well, so the only emails they got out of 650,000 are from one guy who was working for ESPN. I'm like, that's the way it sounds. Wrapping it up with Andrew Brandt. Andrew, here's what I think is the biggest story that I look at knowing all the players involved with this is Daniel Snyder, a $10 million fine. So follow me. John Gruden's owed anywhere on that 10 year deal, anywhere between 45 to 60 million, 50 million, let's cut it there, dollars. So that's the amount of money at stake for a coach who deservingly is in big trouble with his legacy and losing his job for what he said. Indefensible. I get that. Daniel Snyder was a $10 million fine and losing operations that were turned over to his wife, and then the case is closed? Wait a second. Not a not a $50 million fine? Not more money? not have to sell the team, not a bigger ban. Walk me through what you think today, tonight, as we look at the penalty phase for Daniel Snyder and everybody else in that facility who was trading emails back and forth and where they stand today. Yeah, it's hard to know if if we're done, right? We're done with the Washington football team or the league is done with them with a $10 million fine and turning it over to his wife. I mean, listen... They've got a good coach in place. They've got a good president, Jason Wright. But those people uh, weren't part of that toxicity from years ago that 
as I mentioned, all these women are suing about. So it's a little odd, you know, because to me, I'm a lawyer. A precedent is everything. We've got an owner no longer with the Carolina Panthers, an owner, not a GM, not a coach, an owner, because he supposedly, like, gave a couple foot rubs or patted some women on the back a little lower than he should have. Really? He's gone. So, I mean, again, I'm just wondering, what are we Mm -hmm. missing about Washington that everyone, what are they missing that everyone else seems to know? Last one. Let's say a year from now or two years from now. A lot of people have asked me, because of my friendship and working around John Gruden, how, where does he end up a year, five years from now in regards to where this country's at with forgiveness? And it's not going to happen today, and I get that, nor am I asking for it for anybody in this audience. But you're a lawyer, and you worked at the highest level in the NFL, and you're really sharp with the students that you teach. What is the big thing that you're looking forward to evaluating Gruden going forward because they took down his name in the Ring of Honor in Tampa Bay. The way he ended it, the fall from grace in Las Vegas, is going to be difficult for him and his family. What scenario are you going to be looking at the most over the next year to five years when it comes to John Gruden? Well, I also consider myself a friend of Gruden. Not, it's mm-hmm. been years, but we worked together at ESPN. I would help him prepare for Monday Night Football with my business insights as to the two teams he's covering every week. I don't know. He's a, he's a dynamic guy. You know, he was sitting in meetings. He talked about players. You just feel the energy. Players that he loved, and he seemed to love everyone. <laughs> everyone knows he loved all these players. I don't know. I've never heard anything like what came out in emails from him. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think time heals all wounds, and I do see him back at some capacity. It's hard to say when. Maybe it's more of media than in the league there you go andrew uh last thing on those sunday uh, those sunday emails i get them while i'm doing the raiders post game show working at the stadium and i i, I go through it because i'm hosting my uh, show at night on sunday night what are you most excited about with that and the feedback you're getting yeah there'll be a lot on john and the raiders this week you know mm-hmm. I, i'm excited to hear from people like there's nothing else out there like this yeah so I write a column and I do a podcast, but that's not enough. Right? I try to give my people more content, more unique insights. So you sign up, go to andrew-brandt.com, and every Sunday I'll give you this free newsletter to your email and just kind of things you don't find out in other places really behind the curtain. And one last thing, I picked up another gig. <laughs> so Thursday Night Football, yep, I'm now Twitch. hired by Amazon who owns Twitch. Mm -hmm. So I'm not quite the audience of the Mannings, but I do kind of a simulcast on Twitch. So go to my Twitch channel, Andrew Brandt Live, and Thursday Night Football, I'll be talking through it with insights this week about the Bucks and Eagles. Thanks, Andrew. Always great catching up with you, especially on such a busy week. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for doing this, Andrew Brandt. He's uh, very good. And, you know, a good conversation with him about what's going to transpire going forward. He's one of the few voices, not few, I'd say there's more than a few that are saying, whatever happens, the Gruden fallout, we get it. We get it more than anybody here in Vegas because he was the coach of the team here. But what's going to happen with the transparency of the NFL? What's going to happen with the rest of these emails? 
You cannot say that only one individual was involved with this. Everybody will tell you that. Attorneys, insiders, gentlemen like Andrew who just came on. Mike Florio will join me exclusively tomorrow. We'll have a deep conversation on this, and we'll try to get an idea of what's going to happen next on this story because this story is going to affect the entire NFL, the Raiders in Vegas, the Washington football team, and everybody has the right to know because we've heard a lot about other issues around the league, and this one directly affects the Raiders, and the Raiders have the right to know also. Uh, We're supposed to be covering the Rich Passaccia first press conference as head coach if it's on time coming up. So stick around for that, and we'll get to that right after this. I don't have uh, anything I would want to express there uh, one way or the other. I know that uh, from the standpoint of of, uh, contribution, I know that we all are accountable to even a, if you will, a fleeting or a minor part of our actions. Uh, We all are accountable to those, but uh, uh, that's about all I want to comment on it. We uh, uh, are are talking about people here and even the ones that uh, some of the comments were directed about. Those have been outstanding people in the NFL. It's Jerry Jones and his comments about what happened with the resignation of John Gruden. JT, back with you as we continue on on Raider Nation Radio. Uh, we're hoping that we could get this press conference in if the Raiders go to it soon. Rich Passaccia, the new head coach of the Silver and Black. If they don't uh, get to it here in the next few minutes, I'm sure that Q will pick it up and take it from here when that press conference is up. Also, the Raiders put out Mike Mayock's press conference You'll be able to download that. We played it. But Rich Passaccia will serve as the interim head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And Coach Passaccia is supposed to meet with the media for the regularly scheduled media availability, which is coming up here momentarily. Paul Gutierrez, who we have on every other Tuesday with Coach Flores, reported today that Las Vegas Raiders owner Mark Davis broke his silence Wednesday in the wake of John Gruden's resignation. As coach on Monday night, quote, I have no comment. Ask the NFL. They have all the answers. Mark Davis told ESPN, according to uh, Paul's reporting, Mark Davis didn't want to expand, but his words suggest there is more to the situation than Gruden's leaked and offensive emails that surfaced during an investigation into the workplace conditions with the Washington football team. Investigators have gone through 650,000 emails. Only Gruden's messages have been made public. The NFL Players Association has called on the NFL to make all of the emails public. So that's what is happening here, and this is a story that is brewing. Let's go to the Raiders facility. Here's the head coach of the Silver and Black. Um... Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Rich Passaccia. And um, before we get started, um, I'd like to read something to you uh, that I prepared uh, with help from people I care about uh, and that care about me. And then um, we'll go from there. Um, before we talk about our team or our game at Denver, I feel it's important to acknowledge the significance of this moment. 
Coach Gruden gave me a chance to coach in the National Football League. I'll always be appreciative of that. That being said, we all have a responsibility here and have to be held to be accountable to our words and our actions. No one person is bigger than the Raiders' shield. The Raiders have always stood for diversity, inclusion, social justice. It's important to live those ideals and carry them into the future. We cannot change the past, but we can do more to maybe make tomorrow better. Um, that's kind of where I'm at. I can um, answer some questions for you and uh, go from there. There's a lot of times uh, when you get your head coaching job, you got time leading up to a first game. Your time is in, within days. Um, so there's a lot of immediate goals and immediate things that you have to take care of. Um, that said, what's what your message to the team in, in terms of that um, and, and shifting that focus immediately to your leadership um, ahead of Sunday's game? What was the message in that regard? Um, the, you know, the, the time thing certainly is is it ever a good time, you know, when it happens like this? I think the thing that's unique to us is we have a good team. We're a three and two team. It's, it's not like we've gone through some type of a bad cycle and all of a sudden there's been a change and it's the end of the season and the season's over. We have 12 games. We feel like we have a lot of time. We feel like all our goals are still in front of us. And uh, my message to the team was really about um, the team and them. Their goals are still alive uh, and we'll see what, transpires as we go forward, but I don't think that the time was a big issue, particularly because of the staff that we have. Defense continuity, been together a long time. I've certainly been with Greg a long time on offense. I understand what, to some degree, what we're doing on offense. Coach Cable's been in this a long time, so we have veteran coaches. And so I think what the time did is it, it gave us a little bit of a um, stumbling block in the beginning. We certainly had to go through this as well. And then I think it was, everybody got back to work as usual. Coach Osa is going to call the plays, and he's been intimate with Coach Gruden and um, developing the plan for the game. And uh, you know, I, I've been with Coach Olson in Tampa. We won ten games, and he, he called every play. So um, I think we'll be status quo that way. And he has a great relationship with Derek. He's been coaching the quarterbacks here for for four years. Rich, is there, if you could take take us through three moments, Friday. When, when the very first news break out, broke out Friday, Friday, Sunday after the game, and then Tuesday morning or whenever it was that, that everybody assembled afterwards, there had to have been three different moods when it came to the players. Um, the initial shock of that, that first email with the racist remark after a tough loss where it looked like they were flat, and then basically the, the announcement of, of John's resignation. Did you notice that, feel that, and you know, how quick did you guys act to grab a hold of that vibe and sort of re-energize the team? Um, well, I think, you know, the, the first one that came out, obviously everyone has opinions um, that they're all entitled to. Our players had conversations, obviously, at that time with, with Coach. But I, uh, we, we didn't perform well in the game. Uh, I don't really like to use different vernacular. We, we just did not perform well. We did not execute well. We didn't do anything well enough to win the game. And then, um, to be honest with you, after that, uh, the loss, um, you, you go through whatever that is. And we met on Monday. Um, as usual, we had special teams meeting and had the whole team in there. And then we had a team meeting, offense and defense met. And then it wasn't later that we discovered, or like everyone else, kind of what happened. And so um, at that particular time, I'm 
my humanistic qualities. I really like everybody else. So, so is our coaches. And uh, it just kind of hit us all. And then after that, it just, it's a little bit of a blur. Um, next thing you know, a little bit later at night that, you know, I'm talking to the owner. And after that, our biggest concern was to get a hold of our players. All position coaches call the players and let's kind of tell them what's going on. They've already seen stuff on internet and whatever else that, that's out there. And, and uh, so we just wanted to get a, our voices to them and, and then tell them we'd see them on Wednesday morning. So no more worries. Go ahead. I don't expect you to give away secrets, but on the field, how can fans expect a Rich Bashia coach team to look different? Um, I just we'll have to wait and see the, the game. You know, like I said, we, we have a good team. We have high expectations. We have high standards. Uh, we were three and zero at one time. We've lost two games, so um, there's a bump in the road. It's not the end of the road, and uh, we're just gonna put our heads together and, and uh, put the players in the best position they can to win a game, and we'll see what happens on Sunday. But. Coach, regardless of, of how it came about, this is something uh, you, you've looked for for a long time. What, what does it mean to you personally to be a, an NFL head coach? Um, you know, it'd be easy to get emotional about that question. So, uh, yeah, this is certainly an exciting moment. No, no one wants to be a head coach in this particular situation. Uh, no one wants to be put um, in front of this uh, under these particular circumstances. But it's an um, incredible opportunity, certainly, not only for me, but all the other coaches um, that are here to, um, you know, see if we can – what we can do with this adversity, see what we can do with this challenge, see what we can do with the next day, and, and uh, same thing for our players. So am I excited? I'm certainly excited. Am I um, beyond excited? You know, I, I just know that to some degree we're all football coaches. You know, so when somebody once told me, I asked a coach I worked for a long time ago, I said, Coach, when do you know you're ready to be the head coach? He says, when they give you the hat and whistle and tell you you're the head coach. So um, I've been doing a lot of different things in this football world for a long time. So um, with the help of all those other assistants that are up there, we're, we're going to do the best job we can. And we're looking forward to having the opportunity to play ball again. Coach, when you were uh, a 20-something assistant at Wayne State College, did you think that, you know, 37, 38 years later, you would be an NFL head coach? I mean, how surreal or is this something that you wanted to do? I did not think that then. I was at, not at Wayne State. I mean, in the summers, I was still working at Wildbaum's Egg Factory, so I, I wasn't thinking about being a head coach. Uh, I was thinking about feeding my kid. And, you know, um, obviously, the longer we stay in this, regardless of the level, we've, we've all liked to have this opportunity um, to be in front of the men, to lead, and uh, that's kind of why we all do it. Most of us have the same type personality. So here it is, however it uh, came to fruition, and I, I'm going to – do the best I can with the men that we're working with uh, to put a really good product on the field and to give our players a chance to be successful. It's, it's really about the players. It's really about the team. Uh, I got a seven-year-old granddaughter that can put a bunch of X's and O's on the board. I tell the players this all the time, but those are the ones that make the X's and O's come to life. So we'll see if we can put a good plan together and give them a chance. All right, that's Rich Passaccia, the new head coach of the Raiders. Everybody get behind this guy. He's a gentleman. The times I've met him, energetic. He's got the respect of that entire building. He's in a really tough spot. You can imagine your Raider fans. You know how difficult this is for you, fans of the team, let alone the families, everybody involved in that organization. Get behind the coach. Give them everything you got. 
pat him on the back, root hard for him, welcome him in in this position. It's tough. He never thought he'd become the head coach of the Raiders this way. No one would. And he came up through the Gruden tree, and he has a lot of respect for the coaches he works with, and I really think this is a pivotal moment in Raider Nation. I know that the Raider fans get it. You're sharp. You understand the importance of this. It should be easy for you to gravitate to Coach Passaccia and get behind him. There, get on whatever social media device you have, be positive, and get him going. Give him an easier road than it looks like in front of him. And the first stop is Denver. Bobby, hell of a show today with the Mayock Press Conference in Passaccia. Bobby threaded a needle to get this show going, especially with Andrew Brandt, Steph McKenzie, Steve Berline. I mean, this was a big show for us today, and Bobby did it all. I just ran it. So that's it. Have a great day, everybody. Big radio coming up. Q into Vinnie Bonsignor. Uh, more on our Bronco coverage heading in to the game on Sunday, and then we'll host from M Resort Spawn Casino on Sunday. Have a great day, everyone.